I know where to find such a man. I've been once to a house in town, certain kind of house. You mean a bordello, Baron? Yes. You, Baron? Yes. Why? You think I've never been to one? Oh. While I was in medical school, most of the boys used to go to such a place. They always wanted me to go with them, knowing what kind of good student I was. Never leaving my books, not even for one hour. And still I was foolish enough to want to be accepted in a company. Once I left my books and I went with them. What happened? It was terrible. All these overdeveloped women with their large breasts, unshapeless. And this kind of women supposed to give you pleasure with their filthy movements and dirty talk. How this woman even can compare with a beautiful creation like mine? Or even with my sister? Welcome to the Sin and Beef Podcast. I don't know why I gulped before I said that, but here we are. I am one of your hosts, Gary Hill, and with you tonight is Jamie. Hey, y'all. How you doing? I am doing well. I'm very excited to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm always excited about anything, you know, it's, it's, uh, especially when it's cooler outside. Go away, Summer. I'm tired of you. But uh, <laughs> with me tonight is... Uh, friend of the show and a, and a filmmaker as well. I'm sure he'll pimp some stuff on here and we'll, we'll allow him to do so because, yeah. Uh, Cameron Scott is here. How you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm having a good day. I hope you all are doing all right, too. Do, doing fine, doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll uh, start the show the same way we always start the show, every show, and I will uh, ask Cameron, our guest, what he's been watching lately. Oh gosh, you know, uh, I discovered a new show on uh, Amazon. Haven't been watching too many movies, but uh, a friend of mine turned me on to a comic book called The Boys. He told me about the show, and I just started watching it this week. I got the first uh, three episodes down. I'm digging it. I'm I'm, I'm liking it. I, d- I didn't want to like it from the trailer. I was just like, eh, I'm I'm not a trailer guy. But uh, yeah, I'm digging that and. The wife and I are watching a show called Good Omens. This is uh, pretty interesting as well. The yeah, Amazon's delivering the goods, man. I think better than Netflix at this point, so there's that. Yeah. Yeah, the Amazon's uh, kicking ass as far as the shows are concerned. But um, I've been since I've been kind of down and out with health stuff, I've been tackling a lot, talk, tackling a lot more uh, series. So I've uh, recently just discovered True Blood. And I'm not quite sure what to make of it so far. I'm giving it a few more episodes. That's that's a series that that literally has its ups and downs. Because I was into it, and then I wasn't into it, and then uh, 
our, our late Rutger Howard shows up in the episode as a fairy godfather at some point, and that's really strange. And it it it, it, it kind of I never read the book, so I had no frame of reference. But as far as the show goes, it's it's a uh, it's not a mess, but it, it will take you to say maybe I won't watch it for a little while, but then you keep on watching it. And I I, I watched it all the way through. I dug it. Yeah. So far, so good. But yeah, been, that's what I've been watching. That and I did watch a, sh- a movie on Netflix called The Perfection. That uh, I didn't know what to make out of out of it because it's got a lot of twists and turns. I think maybe a few more than most people are probably accustomed to. But uh, that's uh, a real weird one. That's a real fucking weird one. Uh, the Perfection. That's a Netflix movie. That was my number one until Midsummer came along. And Midsummer just yeah. knocked it out of the number one spot, so it is now my number two for the year. Still, yeah, good. Oh, Go ahead, sir. I'm sorry, sir. Oh no, just ain't good flick. It just had some twists and turns. I, I kind of call you know, there's several uh, twists and turns in it, and I like I called the first one, and then I'm like, okay, here's the twist coming up, and then I'm like, oh, then then we're another another one, and, and then another one, and we're gonna throw you another curve and another. Damn. It was good. It's a, from from a filmmaker's perspective, I was kind of jealous. I'm like, that's good writing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get to see Midsummer because the the theater that's by us has eight screens, and by the time I think like Toy Story four and Spider Man um, Far From Home came out, it knocked it down to like one showing at like 10:40 at night, and I don't go to the movies at night all that often, so I didn't get to see that movie yet. Midsummer, that is. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet either. That's a shame. I would love to see what, or to rather hear what you had to say about it. I will have to wait for digital, Jamie. It'll, it'll be coming soon, I'm sure. But, uh, Jamie, what you been watching, girl? Well, uh, we also watched The Boys. Binged that in two days. And absolutely loved it. I think it was totally perfect. I wanted more, and I would... As soon as it was over, I was like, I'll watch that again. Like, I like right away. Um, so. I think that, that Seth, was... I think that Seth Rogen has a general love for the genre because he, he, uh, he produced that, I think, and he produced the Preacher TV show, if I'm not mistaken. So he's. Yeah, which is also very good. He's bringing some shit to the screen I'm, that I'm pretty happy about. Yeah. Um, other than that, just some random stuff, some stuff for the collection. I uh, saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, I saw that as well. And then I watched a couple of things because, because, I don't know if you know this, Gary, but the next full moon falls on August 15th. Mm-hmm. And so does the next episode of Liken It. I seen you poking hints, girl. I, I, I knew. Uh, that's right. I was running a teaser campaign because that show is coming back. I'm very excited. Very excited. Now, if I'm not mistaken, you're, you're watching the Garbage Time American Werewolf in Paris, right? This, this, I thing. did, but I also I paired it with an American Werewolf in London, and this show's going to be a banger. It's I'm the, the way the way I would do it is I would talk about the sequel first because that's hot garbage. And then, like, bring it up, you know, a notch and say, let's talk about something that's not connected, but totally much, much better. Well, it is connected. <sighs> You're killing me, Jamie. You're killing me. I tried to watch it. I love you. I tried to watch it, and uh, I watched about 45 minutes. It was on Prime. It may, it may still be on Prime. A, n- a nice HD print of it. 
And I said, you know what? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall asleep on purpose. I never fell asleep on purpose unless it was out of depression. And I was generally depressed watching that movie. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, maybe it won't be depressing to hear me talk about it. I, I will listen to, to you do your talking about, <laughs> about, the, the, about the American World from Paris, yeah. yes. Hear what goes on in my head brain during my talking about. Yes. Um, also, watched Detective Pikachu. Oh, did you love it? I love it so much. It was very cute. I don't need to see it again, ever. But it was very <laughs> cute. Um, I mean, it's just not the kind. Of, it's just not the kind of movie that I'm gonna ever watch again. Yeah, like, I understand I'm, that. You know? Yes. But it was it was adorable. The uh, Ryan Reynolds was perfect. I knew he would be, and it's just, you know, and I did laugh out loud several times. Like it was super cute. So, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, I've watched it three times already. So that's that's just me because <laughs> I love it so much. You know, <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> so that's uh, about I mean just some random stuff but I never played the card game but I I am an OG Pokemon fan usually I tell folks my two favorite channels on TV are the History Channel and the Cartoon Network because usually there's something else it's all back in the day Cartoon Network now it's all like reruns of like Teen Titans Go and stuff and I don't need that all day long but I do I do love the movie though Teen Titans Go to the movies because it's probably one of the most smartest uh, the mo- most smartest the smartest uh uh, superhero film, one of the best ones ever written, I think, because it's just satire coming out of his ears, and I think it's kind of great. Uh, but me, I, I saw, I, I, it's hard for me to remember everything I watched, but I watched the same thing Jamie watched. I watched uh, that, that Tarantino joint, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, without giving too many spoilers away. Um, I think the Brad Pitt stuff's really good. I think the DiCaprio stuff's really good, but everything else is just kind of there, it's like nostalgia splashed over the screen. Done really well. Don't get me wrong. It's filmed filmed great. Everything's great. Probably, I like it better than his last two films. Let's put it that way. But um, Brandy the dog, man. I want I want to own that dog. That dog was the best part of the movie. Oh, for me. she was so perfect. She was such a good girl. Oh, and, the dog was a <laughs> But she's awesome. And Brad Pitt better get some kind of recognition for that. I mean. If the Academy doesn't recognize him, then I'm going to be not happy. They already pissed me off last year with Tony Collette, so... Yeah, she des- he deserved that, yeah. She deserved that. Not deserved to be denied, but deserved to be recognized, yeah. Not, not in the eyes of Willis Wheeler, but, you know... Right? <laughs> let's let's, let's <laughs> what hair's here, you know. Um, then I saw Hobbs and Shaw on the same day, and that's a, that's a big dumb action movie that... You could take it like that and really and enjoy yourself. Shut your brain off and just go watch a, a balls out action movie about two guys from that Fast and Furious franchise fighting a superhuman. Or you could just say, "This is just redundant and stupid," and not enjoy yourself because this is that kind of movie. It, it's a film that realizes just what it is, you know. Which is look explosion, look you know insane car stunts. Look 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 and. That's all it is. It's it's Tango and Cash with a much bigger budget. And that's, that's, well, that's all I want. Well, and that's, that's what you want in a movie like that, right? We were. Uh, I've been excited about that movie since the first time I saw the trailer months ago. And we were going to go see that on Saturday, but ended up going to the Death Museum instead because I surprised Brian with a trip to... They just opened a Death Museum here about 30 minutes away. Nice. And... 
he didn't he didn't know so i just was like get up get dressed we're going out and i'm not telling you where hmm. so <laughs> did he have a good time yes yeah it was quite fun i had a really good time talking to the proprietor who was just a really swell guy and all of the stuff here uh was that's from his personal collection he traveled he's traveled the world and collected things and um like from from Papua New Guinea uh, just Africa all over and it's a lot of interesting funerary components like um old fashioned body removal wicker baskets mm. which was very cool and then some tools and things like that but then also some like ceremonial masks or decorated skulls um, and just just a lot of different tribal things. So it was kind of a mixture of old world, old world, new world. Pretty fascinating. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And uh, well, and also some medical school oddities. So it was pretty interesting, sure. especially for the little tiny town that it's in. It's in a tiny, tiny town. The stuff they found in dead bodies, weird stuff, you know, top 10 items. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he was playing this anatomy video, uh, and it was really fascinating. But apparently, three people had fainted so far at that point from watching that video. But we were all just—I mean, it was just the two of us in our group. But then there were other groups there, and we were just everybody was just sort of plastered to the screen, just watching it because you're just watching them flay a corpse and. It's, I don't know, it was fascinating. The skin just slid right off. It's very cool. Anyway, it's from a video called Anatomy for Beginners, and apparently you can find parts of it on YouTube. So if anyone's interested in checking it out. Watch, watch some skin fall off some bones, for sure. <laughs> it was really cool. That, I, I just, you know. That might make me sick. I'm not sure. I, I have a, you know, the, the gag reflex is there. It does. <laughs> well, it wasn't bloody or anything because it, the blood had been drained, but it it was kind of like skinning a chicken because the muscles looked just like chicken, like raw chicken. Oh, okay. So that might have been so bad then, see. Um, anything else? Oh, I watched um, the adaptation film of the Batman series known as Hush, and uh, that's a, a fun one to watch if you want to watch a bunch of villains all in one movie because... Uh, Essentially, Hush is a villain that could could take um, takes control through through um, I forget what he uses, but he basically takes control of different villains, and makes them do what he wants them to do without them knowing they're doing it. And of course, Bats has to get down to it and see what's going on. And Hush turns out to be a pretty familiar villain, and I'm not going to give that away if you haven't read the comic or seen the movie. But uh, one of the best parts about the Hush release is. There's a DC showcase short on there on the on the extras on the Blu-ray. Uh, Sergeant Rock has there's an older character that had, was a was a thing for a long time in the DC universe, and he did he did this thing in the in the 70s. Uh, I'm gonna buy this for you, James. You don't buy it yourself because it's pretty amazing. Where he fought with the Creature Commandos, and this consisted of like a Frankenstein's monster and a werewolf and a vampire, like a like a Nosferatu type vampire. And they went to war with him, fighting Nazis and shit. And this is all this, like, 15-minute animated short. Uh, first thing you see, you know, when they show up is Frankenstein's monster crushing a Nazi's head within his helmet. And it's it's pretty fucking badass. And 
I was so happy that, that, that was, that's a thing now. Like I watch uh, just 15 minutes of Sergeant Rock on screen like that, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping for more that this picks up and I get more Sergeant Rock doing stuff. But yeah, the Sergeant Rock and the Creature Commandos, uh, if you guys haven't read it, there's a trade paperback out there of it. And I, uh, if you're a monster fan, I, I, I think it's pretty pretty great concept. So go check that out. And I um. I haven't watched much else. I was gonna watch, I was gonna watch the Monster Squad with the children, but the children were away, and cause um, we went to Flashback Weekend, and uh, hanging out with Fred Decker, and the kids asking Fred Decker monster questions, like I'm not gonna allow him to answer them because I just stood there and l- listened to them ask questions because they seen the pictures on the table, obviously the Monster Squad, and they've never seen it. I said, well, Fred, these are my children, so they weren't raised correctly, obviously, you know, and. <laughs> Because other they're, they're ten and eleven, so if if I if I had ten and eleven year old children, they would have seen it by then. And yeah, damn straight. Hell yeah, for sure. The only reason I saw it at a later age was because I was older when it came out. Because I saw that in the theater. But, but yeah, I would definitely introduce a child to that at a young age. Because why not? But and, uh, th- that went well too, by the way. So if you got a hankering for. An original Night of the Creeps poster. Uh, I will have one up for auction in December, signed by like seven people. So, you've got some good stuff for this auction. I mean, you always have good stuff. I, I got but more. I got more coming. Really good stuff. I got some 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 stuff at the pike. I got to send out. So it's it's uh that I couldn't normally get before. So I will announce them as it comes up. It's very cool. Oh my gosh, but um yeah, that's it for that one, and then I'll uh. Bring it to the next segment. Uh, oh, pit. I have to Jamie Jenkins something. Yes, I, ma'am. Go ahead. It wouldn't be a show if I didn't. Um, <laughs> we just, I mean, we just got finished watching it too, like right before I started recording. But Brian got for review this new movie called Satanic Panic, and there's an embargo on it, so he can't do a review yet, and I can't really say much. But uh, it has Rebecca Romaine, Jerry O'Connell. Um, Modine's Matthew Modine's daughter, who I did not know that this was his daughter that was in um, Happy Death Day. I had no idea that that was his daughter. Um, what, who the lead actress? The, or? No, no, no. She played the roommate. Oh, okay. Um, and she's in this. She's great. And also, um, I mean, there's just a, a t- AJ Bowen. I haven't seen him in forever. Uh, and uh, Jordan Ladd, I haven't seen her in forever. So it was just people were just popping up left and right. And all I can say is that I liked it. <laughs> you, you liked it? Yeah. I liked it. That's good. Quite a bit, but I can't say much more than that. Jordan Ladd, I think of Jordan Ladd, I think about Cl- Club Dread, my favorite slasher that nobody talks about because uh, when they, they squeeze her boob in the movie, it says Penelope, it squeaks. And that's kind of funny to me, you know. Penelope. I but, think Jordan Ladd. I always think of Grace. Oh, I, I, that's a film I avoided because I just I I don't know. It just looks strange to me. This is the one with with the the baby, right? And then the yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm the th- Paul Solid film. I'm thinking of Teeth. That's the one I'm thinking about. That I I've avoided. I think I watched part of Grace, but I need to finish watching it. Apparently. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, like like I was saying before the the Jamie Jenkins thing happened. Uh, 
is that uh, this is the segment known as the beef bitches I mash potatoes. Okay, who gets the burly uh, beef? I ordered barbecue beef. I think that's mine, but I didn't order fries. Beef. Mine's the Duke Deluxe. Okay, who gets the burly beef? Jamie, I'll defer to you. Anything uh, getting to your craw this week, girl? Mm, I don't think so. Just, I don't know. People are stupid. That that always bothers me. But <laughs> we had a guy at we had a guy at work who'd been banned from the property about a month ago because he pretty much attacked the manager and threatened to spit in his face and all of this stuff because. Um, he was trying to use a uh, – I work at a hotel, by the way, um, for anybody who doesn't know. But he was trying to use a friend and family discount, but it was a bogus form, and he got busted. And they said, no, you can't use it. Well, then he got angry, and they, took, they confiscated it, which is policy. And he's like, I paid for that copy. Well, like, well, dude, you just admitted it. <laughs> but anyway, so it, it, things escalated. The police ended up getting called. And he was, you know, subsequently banned from the property. So today um, he had made a reservation online. And he made a, a two-day reservation and his name pops up. And we're all like, uh, no. And it hasn't even been that long. What? I don't understand the balls on some people. <laughs> Just I, well, first of all, I wouldn't if I did something like that. I wouldn't never darken the doorstep again. But especially not a month later. And then he was trying to use the same rate. So <laughs> I mean, what a moron! Some, but, some people are just bold, Jamie. You know. Yeah, so. and that so that didn't really make me angry. It just it kind of made me laugh. But um, I just it sometimes I'm amazed at people. Mm. Yeah, me too. I mean, I, I one thing I, I I do I work in newspapers, but I never deal with the customers because damn they are demanding, and that's that's anywhere you go. So <laughs> it's uh, there you go. You care anything you can, uh, get to your craw, brother? Oh God, nothing major. Um, hell, I hardly leave the house anymore, so it's hard for people to get on my nerves. But uh, you know, if I would have a beef, beef in general, I would say people who bring their kids out shopping and then don't corral them. Oh, uh, I, I, I'm I, I don't have children of my own, so you know, it was like uh, maybe my tolerance level is is at an all time low, but. You know, I mean, come on, you just want to go to, down to the local st store or whatever store you're going to and get something. You don't – you shouldn't have to, to to deal with these screaming kids that are, with parents that are obviously just too preoccupied with their uh, cell phones and whatnot and whatever conversations they're having than to, you know, make their kids behave. Just, just you know, this is a thought. Just make your kids behave, especially when out in public. That's it. I think it's yeah, I don't understand it. I don't. I don't get it. Like how you just and they just let them run around, you know. And then if they get hurt, the parents are going to be mad, but not at the kids and not It'll at themselves. Fault. <laughs> It'll be exactly. And I'm like, no, asshole, it's your fault. Those are your kids. You have to keep an eye on them. But no, they don't. It's like I, that kid is back on the escalator again. Yes, indeed. 
I, I have simple joys in life. One of my joys is going to Target at Christmas time and sitting in the in the food area, eat just smashing a pretzel and watching kids weep because they didn't get what they wanted for Christmas. You know. And uh, yeah, though you can tell those are shitty kids, and I, I want to add to your your beef. I, I I have a problem with shitty adults in the grocery store too, Cameron, because. I, I've shared that meme more than once They're about those, those two bitches who blocked the aisle way to talk about their children or something. Yeah, I was just thinking about that when he was talking. It's like They're yeah, standing yeah. in the center of the aisle as opposed to off to one side as it would be yes. proper. Yeah. <laughs> they, they clearly know each other. This clearly going to be a conversation to have be had later, but uh, no, no, they didn't do it right there. And Yeah, I hate the grocery store. This is known. I mean, there's, there's a lot of reasons, and... That and old folks in the produce department are, are probably the big reasons, because oh. I can't stand it, man. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, kids are shitty, yeah. man. Kids are real I'll shitty. Go, I'll go shopping at, like, odd hours in the early morning to just just for the sheer fact that there's so many less people around. It's like, if I can bypass all the fucking people, I, I will. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a year ago, I could take Abigail, the, the, the middle child, to the horror convention. I can't do it now. She's too fucking wild. And her mother is too far gone, not to care, but to, to control her. So I told her, like, I need another adult human to go with me or else I'll leave her in the city if she starts acting the way she does. It's like, oh, <laughs> Jefferson Park, your next stop. Get off the fucking train, you know. They'll, they'll find you, you know. It's like, what are you like adventures in babysitting. Man. <laughs> she will learn her way. No, Jefferson Park is... Uh, the stop on the blue line is right where my aunt works, so my, my, my cousin knows precisely where it is, so if I dropped her off there, I wouldn't feel too bad about it. Just take a walk, you know. Walk it off. Walk it <laughs> off, child. No, I, I love children until they, you know, their parents are, usually just the parents that are fucked up. Um, I'm going to leave that one alone, though. <laughs> it's usually, you know, asshole, uh, asshole parents beget uh, asshole kids, and that's usually how it goes. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's a story for a whole nother show, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> um, nothing really major to crow about. You know, for me, I, I have, you know, problems financially that's been caused by somebody else, and I don't want to dwell on that or get mad about that, because it's over with now, people. It, that, that, that shit's cut off, so I'm, I'm, I'm good for that, but I got a lot to be grateful for, so I'm, I'm going to leave that be and uh, move on to... The inevitable section of this show where we talk about films and shit. And uh, tonight is uh, it's a real winner tonight. <laughs> We're going to talk about um, the 1973 film Flesh for Frankenstein, a.k.a. Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, starring the great Udo Kier and oh, how great he is in this movie. And um, <laughs> the perennial um, depressed chick classic. You can tell by the feeling of my voice how much I love, love, love this film. May from 2002, uh, directed by Lucky McKee, starring Angela Bettis and Jeremy Sisto with all that fucking hair. Look at him. Um, <laughs> um, what should we start with? The freaky or the or the, or the freakier? Like, I couldn't tell you. Um, let's go in, in chronological order and talk about Flesh for Frankenstein first. I'll right. do that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Right after the break. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Huh, Nick 
It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema Psyops is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am in the most sincerest of senses disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get out of. It's unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this like little nerd glee with everything that kept little history doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you you know couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at twelve years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was. How be did a rough you watch movie. this shit at twelve? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Andy Warhol. Frankenstein is here. Kiss him! Kiss him! Newsweek magazine calls it the first original Frankenstein in years. A perversely fascinating movie. Only close. Oh! Why did you... Not so close! I can't... Stop it! What are you doing? I can't breathe! Stop it! Andy Warhol's Frankenstein with its swooping bats, severed limbs, hideous decapitating devices, and various spare parts. They all slither off the screen in what Playboy magazine calls the most gruesome epic ever unleashed. Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, the goriest, sexiest, and wildest Frankenstein ever filmed. Flesh for Frankenstein from 1973. Uh, your plot synopsis is this. Baron Frankenstein creates two zombies, in parentheses, one male, one female, planning to mate them in order to create a master race. It's a German film? I don't know, I don't think so, though, but, uh, this, of course, stars Udo Kier. And a bunch of people... Uh, damn. Pretty much the whole cast for, from from um, Blood for Dracula. You know, because the blood of these whores is killing me. This is uh, directed by Paul Morrissey and Antonio Margaretti. I got I got that right, I think. I'm going to leave that alone. Uh, <laughs> this is a freaky little film. And I don't want to take all the glory, so I'll ask our guest, Cameron, what he thought of this movie. Oh, God. You know, it had probably been eight, nine, ten years since I watched it, and I forgot how batshit crazy it was. And, and it's, it's not to be said that batshit crazy isn't good, but, man, some of it's really good, some of it's really bad. I mean, some of the good is Udo, Udo here. Oh, my God. Acting lessons did him well later on in his career, because in this one, it seems like he was somewhere between, like, you know, the the evil scientist from Human Centipede and uh, Tommy Wiseau from The Room. I couldn't decide. I don't think he could decide what he was doing. <laughs> but, 
But, uh, oh, God, you know, the, the, the main thing I got from this movie was creepy fucking kids. That's what I walked away from it with. Creepy fucking kids, man. Uh, creepy kids be watching stuff and doing stuff. And then th- that ending, I don't know how much we want to give away, but let's face it, that ending is freaking batshit crazy. Uh, I think another thing I walked away from this movie is having never seen dead bodies move and breathe so much. Uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they breathed and moved and coughed and rolled their eyes more often than people that are alive that I know. Uh, and the camera zoomed in on that shit too. <laughs> oh like, God, yeah, yeah. Like the camera got tighter. I'm just like, oh look, he's breathing. Oh, they're moving it. Like, <laughs> but you know, I have I have a taste for bad movies, and this movie is one of the kings of bad movies. Uh, Morrissey, let's face it, was was not a great filmmaker, but he was a great filmmaker of bad films. You know, it's just like saying. That would maybe not exactly a great filmmaker, but he was a great filmmaker of shit films. You know, you have to be in a certain mood to watch it. It's a it's a great cult flick. Yeah, I I I I, I dig it. Uh, I dig it a lot more now than I, I did when I saw it when I was younger. But man, so, some of the things is just like the creepy kids. It's beautifully shot. It it, it cinematography wise is a beautifully shot film, but it's just. An execution with the acting, some of the awkward exchanges. Wow. Talk about awkward. Oh, my God. Some of the, the, the dialogue, you know, it's like, you know, what was it in order? To, what was the, the line that uh, Udo Kier has? Oh, yeah. About uh, fisting a gallbladder. In order- <laughs> <laughs> to know death, you must first To, to know death, life. Otto, you must fuck life. In the gallbladder. That's it. Fuck life in the gallbladder. I, I forgot. The fisting part came later. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I dig it. I don't I don't know what quite a, what a rating I would give it at the, at the moment, but, uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I usually do movies on a scale of 1 to 10. I give it a 7. Cool. Jamie? This movie... <laughs> oh, my. Um, yeah, it's... N- okay, it's not good. Let's get that right. It is. It's not a good movie. It's. It's really not. And Hell the not. acting is so. I mean, you nailed it with awkward. It's all the exchanges are just kind of painful. And I didn't painful know much. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know much about Morrissey other than this and Blood for Dracula, which I've already covered on a different show. And I'd seen this, but it had been a long time. And then I'd forgotten. I remembered it being less awkward, I guess. But when I'm watching it this time, I'm like, God, this is just painful. Like, the delivery was so unnatural. And Udo Kier had to yell everything he said, you know, <laughs> which, <laughs> which was actually, it ended up being entertaining and funny. Like... I, it's not good, but it, I do find it entertaining. And the it looks pretty. The colors are very pretty. It just it's it looks really pretty. But they also do some really interesting things, like some interesting choices as far as editing goes. Where you know when he's lowering the body from the tank, you have to watch the entire process. Just and and then the dudes over there just 
turning the crank, turning the crank, turning it for probably a solid minute. And we don't have to see the whole thing. Like we get the idea, you know, but so I feel like the movie could have probably been about an hour long, really. It just, if you just tighten things up a little bit, it didn't need to be as long as it was. There were a lot of things we didn't need to see. There were, there were, there was a lot of dialogue that really wasn't necessary and it was painfully delivered. But at the same time, it was really kind of weird, but the scene where right before, right before Udo starts to get closer with the female corpse, there's a scene where he is clipping her stitches uh, so that he can like reach inside. But that clipping of her stitches was a very long scene and oddly erotic. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird, but it was... Especially with what happens next. (laughs) Well, I mean, at the time, that uh, that just kind of makes it creepy. But just the the clipping of the stitches part, for whatever reason, was just pretty erotic. And it turns out, and I was like, God, is this guy a porn director? And um, yeah, pretty much. That's, you know, he did movies like Lonely Cowboys and Flesh. Um, So... Yeah, makes sense. But I mean it's weird. It it's it's weird but entertaining, I think. Brian wasn't he didn't he he was kind of over it. But it was too long and and it is it is very long, like longer than it needs to be. But I want to say isn't this the film that directly that was directly inspired um Rocky Horror Picture Show? Well, did this come this, one of them, because it's not the same, I looked this up, it's not the same lab, but if you look at the lab, it looks exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. They said that it was You've got a the bri- tank and the stairs and everything. They said it was like a brick by brick, you know, restoration of look to look like that lab, so I'd imagine Lou Adler took some cues from from this film to, to you know, for, for some inspiration, because if you look at that movie, look at this movie... It looks it looks exactly the same. The tank is the same. Mm-hmm. The the, the that, yeah, uh, dead on. That dead cat, on. That was like a catwalk up there, like where where like you would see the Transylvanians looking right, looking down, and of course you know Frank chasing her creature, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks it looks yeah, exactly even the, same. the um even that the like the groins were covered, in here it was more like with cloth and tape. Yeah, I don't tape, know. Yeah. But, <laughs> This tape, this friggin' tape. Yeah, um, but even, with even, even the buttholes were covered. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but in an, and of course in Rocky Horror, he's wearing this like gold lemme, like speedos. But it was, it still felt very similar. And so the whole time I'm watching it, that's all I'm picturing. I'm just picturing Rocky Horror it's, because the it's, lab. It's was, not an, it's not an accident though. I looked that up. Yeah, I well, it can't be like it just. There's no way that it would be. So that um, I thought that was really fascinating, but yeah, I don't know. It's so bizarre. It's so it just. But at the same time, I can't look away. Like yeah. I, I, I find myself unable to look away. I can't. I have to. I have to see what's going on. I have to know what's going on. And so there's something about it that's compelling. There's something about once you start it, you have to finish it. Yeah. You gotta know. <laughs> you you got to. And 
you don't even necessarily know why, but you do. And oh my God, what kills me too is when he, right before he gets it with a gallbladder, he uh, <laughs> he, he kind of like sidles up to the corpse and, and the, the table's in a standing position. And then he tells the guy, he's like, you know, lay down the table. So he puts the table down and basically he just kind of Udo Kier just ends up on top of the body. Yeah. And then when done he stands it back up i'm like you lazy son of a bitch you can't you can't even climb down off the table after you're done after you then tell the guy he's a he's a filthy thing for watching oh, you he clearly just ruined his pants jamie so i think he needs a little help getting up see oh, maybe. <laughs> but the the facial expressions were hilarious uh and just yeah the acting just all all around was something that was something it was something yeah <laughs> but you know, like I said, it's compelling. You can't really yeah. can't tear yourself away from it. I mean, so, me myself, I, I I loved my time with this film because, like you said, there's some lulls in there. But when you when you get to to a lull, the next thing you know, like the fuck did he just say? You know, it's it's it's. it's <laughs> there's a part of the movie I don't know what the exact quote is, but he's talking about like parts for the for the for the zombies or the Frankenstein woman, where he's talking about how. Big breasts have no shape. He wants them to be like his sister's breasts, which raises a whole new level of questions there. That he's doing comparisons of his sister's breasts to make the creature the perfect being. Oh. Well, I mean, he's married to his sister, so that's something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, the woman with no eyebrows. Yes. <laughs> no eyebrows. Clean as a whistle. <laughs> Just banging, banging away on the stable boy. Oh, and what it was like? in 3D. Yeah, so it was in 3D. Yeah, we we didn't get to watch I mean, 3D, but uh, uh, come on, you know it was so funny because I never knew that, and when we're watching this, like first, you know, the, he when he removes the organs, he just thrusts them at the camera. Then later on, there's a tool being thrust at the camera, and there when they go to the whorehouse, like the woman comes around, like turns around, and she's all rubbing her boobs and right in the camera, and Brian's like, was this in 3D? And so I looked it up, and yeah, it was. And I never knew that, but I would I'd love to see this in 3D. <laughs> yes. There's there's another, there's there's parts of this film that that don't keep you in it, just because they're so fucking bizarre. There's a part in the film in which the sister is sort of doing some weird foreplay with the stable boy. She she's sucking his armpit, people. Okay. Oh, yeah. And, and I can't <laughs> figure out. It, I, I guess everybody has a kink. This, it just was really weird to me that she was getting off on this, but there, oh. this goes on for a good minute and a half for sucking on this guy's fucking armpit and 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 the sound effects. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah, I feel like they were ADR, but um, just because they, they were, had to be. Uh, and I was watching. I was, this is how intent I, I'm watching, seeing if her mouth movements match up with the sucking sounds that she's making on his armpits. <laughs> I'm like, and then I stop and I think, why are you analyzing this so hard? It really doesn't matter, but I couldn't couldn't help it. Couldn't help myself. Yeah, that's that's this little movie though. You can't help her. So you, it, it's like, it, like you said, you know, it's it's not a good movie, but you you're compelled to keep watching because of certain stuff that happens in it, and the way and the way it's shot, which it it is shot beautifully. I mean, everything from I never gotten what what like you said when they're taking the sutures off. To, to, for him to go play inside the organs for a while. Uh, 
the what the cotton ball was all about. You weren't really helping anything, you know. I just no. It just was kind of taking away, like you know, a little, little bit of blood so you can't rub it in her titties for a while, and of course, you know, going to town on the organ. Ends up smearing you know, it everywhere anyway. So it's like, oh, the kidney, the liver. He gets so excited about the fucking organs, man, and. There's a lot of stuff that's not explained, and I just don't care in a movie like this that's not explained. Uh, the ending uh, in question, I- I'd imagine that um, when all the transpires happens and the kids are going to make a new creature uh, out of the, their, 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 their captured, you know, foe or whatever, because the beginning of this movie kind of tells you that they're kind of idolized the Baron in a way because they're playing with a doll and put it in the guillotine and it's just a really weird little beginning to this movie <laughs> and the sisters thought like come children and shit like that and they're going on a fucking carriage ride and shit and it's it's got a lot of weird little plot points though and i i love the weirdness of it the, the weird incest shit the weird sexual shit uh you, you're I, I love the end because much like uh Bride of Frankenstein, our creature kind of becomes self-aware and knows what he has to do, and yeah, great, great back-breaking scene, and that's hot, but um, and Udo's just being Udo, man, doing, I don't even know, this, I'm sure this had to be dubbed, I'm not sure whose voices were the real voices, but but I was looking at, (laughs) one of my favorite parts of the movie is when Otto, the assistant, is like wagging his tongue at the chambermaid, and of course it inherently kills her. Mm-hmm. He does that a couple times, and he just wags that tongue. But the whole time I'm looking at him, he looks like Martin Freeman from those Hobbit films. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want him to go go find a coat of mithril somewhere and take me on a quest with the tongue hanging out of his head because that's just hilarious. Um, but no, this 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 is an oddity. But it's 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 a fun it's fun to watch it's fun to laugh at it's fun to be grossed out at I think it I think it hits a lot of notes with me and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that and kick it to Cameron and ask him anything else you'd like to say about the film and what would he give it one to ten I think he said seven already but I'm gonna ask you anyway yeah I, I blew my wad early I already gave it that rating but yeah so seven did Udo yeah. yeah oh the kidney yeah, by, by, the liver by fucking a gallbladder <laughs> um. I, I, I don't know. I, I'll sum it up. But it's it's a good little cult film. If you're in for any anything weird, it's a it's a must. It's got to be like a top ten uh, thing with, with that and uh, Blood for Dracula. I, I think probably the two things I walked away from this movie mostly was Udo here. Let's face it, with the you know he's the man, and what a mop of hair he had in this friggin' movie, you know. <laughs> Seeing young Udo with that mop of friggin' hair all slicked back, that and uh, the another thing that I, I walk away from is those awkward exchanges, man. Especially the two buddies of the movie. I've never seen two friends that, that are, were supposedly supposed to be lifelong best buddies that had less uh, chemistry. Chemistry, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I got that, those two guys. I had no chemistry with anybody, but but yeah, awkward exchanges and Udo care definitely two reasons to go see the movie. And glowing organs that are blowing in and out in in, in a closet somewhere, you know. That's a, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing in this and movie. Where are little creepy kids that don't talk and just stare at you? Mm-hmm. Stay the. Oh my gosh, Jamie. Well. <laughs> um. Oh, that we were talking about the 
the the two friends. One thing that struck me as hilarious is how the guy wakes up in the morning on the road with his friend, his headless friend next to him, drags his body off, buries him on the side of the road, and then goes on to his appointment. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, my friend, oh, you don't understand. Someone cut off his head. I had to bury him on the side of the road, you know, because that's what you do. You just bury people on the side of the road. That makes sense. It was so bizarre. And he had no emotion, zero emotion about his lifelong friend, his friend since childhood, that apparently he didn't even know wanted to be a monk. So (laughs) whatever. (laughs) It just, yeah, his, everyone was so stilted. It, it, uh, yeah, it's something. Anyway, the, as far as a rating goes, I don't know because it's not good, but it does have it does have its appealing things about it. And like I said, I'm compelled to finish it. But at the same time, it's so long, so long. way too uh, long. I'm gonna say probably a six. Okay, I'm gonna give this film two ratings. I'm gonna give it the party rating and the regular rating. Uh, regular rating is with a six, but if I turn this on with some people in the room and we were watching it together, I think they'd be thoroughly entertained because of all the batshit crazy stuff that's going on, especially after a joint and some beers, probably. But uh, so party rating is an eight, regular rating is a six because I, I I had a great time with this film. Like you guys said, it's not it's not great it's not good as far as like cinematic gold good, but it it will raise some eyebrows and I think that. People should see it, so there's that. Oh, man. But uh, next up, a film that most people that listen to the show have probably seen, because it's right in there in the aughts, the early aughts, as uh, May from 2002. We'll get to that right for this. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Producer Michael, oh, Well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. someone and you think you like them but then the more you talk to them you see parts you don't like everyone always thought may was different jesus what are you doing relaxing doesn't it hurt ow you crazy bitch but really she was just misunderstood i need a real friend someone i can hold don't be mad then one day may met adam hello the boy i saw today is different so what do you do may i work at the animal hospital when i left for vacation my dog had four legs you can't sew it back on can you i could some people think it's kind of gross i love gross 
Really? And she thought he liked her just the way she was. Oh, I'm bleeding. I know. Hey, this is weird. You like weird. Not that weird. But May's new friend turned out to be just like everyone else. I'm sorry things didn't work out before us. It just didn't feel right. So many pretty parts, no pretty holes. So May decided to make a friend of her own. I need more parts. You have a beautiful neck. I love your tattoos. Can I get a few more measurements? I love your hands. You have really beautiful legs. You're gonna look perfect. from 2002. Ah, your plot synopsis is this. A lonely young woman traumatized by a difficult childhood and an unsuccessful attempts to connect with people around her is sent into a murderous tailspin. That third act, people, let me tell you. This stars Angela Bettis as our, as our title character. Jeremy Sisto, Anna Ferris, and uh, some other folks. I, I recognize some of these faces, but they're probably in a lot of those films in the aughts that I just can't recognize right now. But this is uh, written and directed by Lucky McKee, uh, who's they did, he did the woods and did he do the woman or no, Jamie? The what now? Did he do the woman as well or no? But it was somebody else. Oh no, that was him. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah, that was Lucky. He also wrote and starred in the companion film to this, uh, Roman, which was directed by Angela Bettis. Oh, I didn't even know that existed, so that's uh, that's new for me. Yeah, so basically they flipped roles. Um, he played the awkward, lonely guy, and she directed the film, but he still wrote it. And and I like it. I don't like it as much as I like May, but I do like it. But Jamie, you, you do like this film, and that that's no secret. And I, I'm, I'm doing this for you, babe, so I'm going to ask you first what you think of May. Tell the people. I love this film. I do. I've seen it so many times. It was way back in the horror forum days. This was my avatar photo for a long time. And I was initially introduced to this film. Oh, man. When I first started doing online reviews, I was perusing the video store for something to talk about. And this really cute guy in a in like a gas station shirt with his name on it came up to me in the video store and he's like hey have you ever seen this movie and it had not been out that long at this point and I said no and he's like well I highly recommend it and I said okay so I took it because hot guy tells me to watch a movie I'm gonna watch a movie and I loved it I I've always been drawn to this there's and a lot of reasons one Angela Bettis does awkward so well. It, she makes me uncomfortable throughout the entire thing. And it's because I like her and I want her to I want her to be happy and I want her to find her place. Yet she just does these things that are so unnatural and so uncomfortable that I'm just I'm on edge the entire time. No matter how many times I see this film, 
when I watched it yesterday in preparation for this, again, I'm just like my stomach's in knots the whole time because I know what she's about to do and it's just not normal. You know, if the Jeremy Sisto character is, he's very cool. He's like, he's a cool guy. And if she had just been normal, you know, things could have worked out with him, but she just kept messing it up and it just, uh, I don't know. I don't, it always makes me uncomfortable to see people do things in movies that I I can't explain it, but it's like being at your friend's house when they're getting in trouble. And I don't want to, I don't, I don't like seeing my friends get in trouble. So it's kind of like that, I guess. Uh, But she's incredibly awkward and lonely and I feel bad for her. And the thing is, it's everyone needs that person in your life that you know that you can be completely comfortable with and allow to allow that person to see every weird thing about you. You know, you need that one person that you can tell the weirdest thing that pops into your head and know that they're not going to run screaming. And she just can't find that person, you know, and then people keep telling her they like weird, but eh, they don't really mean it. And, and the thing is, that is, that's a real thing. You know, you do find people all the time who are like, you know, I like weird. And then like, no, they don't really. And then when you find the person who really does like your brand of weird, then you know that you've met the right one. And it's, it's sad. It's very sad to me. And Anna Ferris is adorable in this movie. I just think she's cute as pie. And I, I love her in this. Uh, the whole thing with the doctor cracks me up, you know, didn't do a, a Fico Sam on Miskate. <laughs> it just cracks me up. Give me the scoople, the scoople. The scoople, scoople. <laughs> what the hell is a scoople? Huh? <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I love Jeremy Sisto too. And there is that first time we see him, when he comes outside and she's kind of waiting to see him come outside of his shop and he sits down and he takes a cigarette and he just starts smoking that cigarette. That is incredibly hot. Like I just, I love that whole scene. I love the way it's shot. I love the music. I, everything about it. I love his mannerisms. It's just damn, you know? And then we have these moments like when the, the, the glass case gets broken the doll case and then she starts rubbing her eyes and those glass shards you can hear them crunching in her eyes and it just runs all over me i can't oh i can't take it and then at the end with the scissors it just like oh like it just there's just, i go from moments of being really just into it and kind of turned on with the Jerry Musisto stuff and feeling really sad for her to then being completely repulsed in the very next scene by something that's happening. And I love a movie that can just yank my emotions all over the place like that. That makes me really happy. So yeah, this is one that I've always had a soft spot for. And anytime I find out that someone hasn't seen it, I want to just shove it in their face. (laughs) Cool. Cool. Mr. Cameron, what do you think, man? Oh, gosh. You know, I this is another one that I hadn't seen in a few years, and I loved revisiting it. I think it's probably uh, Lucky McKee's, uh, I don't know, either best movie 
your second best movie next to Red. I really like Red as well. Uh, and he obviously has such a fucking love for the genre. I mean, with movies like this and The Woman. I mean, hell, he makes the main character, Jeremy, uh, well, one of the main characters, Jeremy Sisto's character, is an Argento fan, which, uh, you know. I love uh, that. Yeah, when he was like, oh, he's like, you know, I want to watch an Argento movie. That was the, actually uh, probably the one problem I had with the movie. He was like, hey, you want to go see, you know, a movie? They're playing trauma. I'm like, really? Of all the Argento movies you could take a girl to go see, you're going to you're going to choose trauma. You're not going to choose like Suspiria or Deep Red, but yeah, that's a nitpick for me. But <laughs> I think maybe he thought that was a little too mainstream. Or maybe because everyone would expect so maybe Deep Red because Deep Red's my favorite Argento. So I would have gone with Deep uh, Red. That's a good idea. But I think he he probably felt everyone sus- would sus- sorry expect Suspiria. Right. Um, but yeah, Deep Red would have been that or, or, or Deep Red, one of the two. So maybe that's why he chose trauma. But like I said, minor nitpick. But it, it it's a, you know, right from the opening shots, the opening shot is a complete what the fuck moment. And I'm, and I definitely have to say, you know, what an asshole mom, you know, may had like the the worst mother ever. Yeah. Like, like here, we're just going to fix your wonky eye, put an eye patch over, it, don't let anybody see it. It's just like, it's horrible. It's a horrible thing to do to your child. But uh, it, it is, you know, you touched on something there when you said it was it was heartbreaking. And it, it was it was hard, it's hard to watch. It's like you, like you said earlier about uh, watching a, a friend get into trouble. You know, you don't want to see your friend get into trouble, and it's just like, oh no, like creepy girl's gonna do weird stuff. Like, oh, it goes into cutting. Oh, then it goes into biting, mm-hmm. and then you know, and it's just like, you know, no, just don't take it that weird. You know, ease into <laughs> crazy a little bit, ease into right. it. You know. <laughs> You know, I mean, like right after, I mean, you go right into the weirdo stuff and then she's cutting herself and then, then Anna Ferris walks in and it's like, oh, here, I'm going to cut you too. And like, no, normal people just don't do those kind of things. She doesn't and, um, know how to be normal though. And that's no. her, her fucking fucked up mom. And also the, the correct answer to, are you a pirate is always Yes. Yes. Whether you have a peg leg or not, you're a fucking pirate. If you got a nice patch on. But, oh, God. That's so many different scenes. Like, you know, my first thought was like, why you, why you got to go all bitey-bitey? Why, why you got to automatically go in for the bite in the lip and stuff? Why you got to go bitey-bitey, man? But, you know, you had a good thing going, May. Messed it up. You know, and normally, you know, I'm not a prude of any sorts. I'm a filmmaker myself. So to me, there, there are no boundaries. There's no such thing as, uh, to me, as, as censorship. You don't censor yourself. But I have a, I have a thing for animals. And, you know, when she kills the cat, you kind of lose me a little bit. But I understand. I understand where the scene's coming from. But, yeah, it kind of turns me off a little bit. doesn't take away. It's not a detriment to the movie. But, you know, it just is what it is. But that classroom scene, the classroom scene with the with the case and the and the the blind kids and the broken glass, holy shit, that that's that's an amazing scene. It's so hard to watch and it's so cringeworthy and everything. I mean, uh, and I don't know, you know, and it's all a very giallo or giallo type movie, the way it's shot. 
the way that she's piecing, you know, the, the starts piecing the people together towards the end, and, and the the music is also very, you know, goblin like. So I, I really feel like in the end, I mean, it's a deep film about you know the the, the psyche of this poor girl, you know, of May, but it, it's really you know uh, an homage. I mean, I really never hear anybody talk about this, but after this this last viewing, it's really an homage to the old Giallo movies. I mean, the music and the way it's shot and everything, it's very Giallo-like. And this is kind of odd that I never hear anybody talk about that, but I love that. I love, I love getting to watch it again. I'm glad this is one of the ones that you picked. Yeah. Me, um, it's not, it's not as popular to me. You know, it is not really the way the film is shot. It, the, the film is, is great, you know, as it is. I, I have more problem with, with May herself, you know, who's supposed to be not milk toast, because you could tell that she, by the beginning, that she was brought up a certain way, you know, to to settle into things and not stray from the settling, you know, by her mother. I'm sure she was a big trophy wife. They don't show any of this, but I'd imagine that's what was going on here. And May has always been probably taught to be a very yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir kind of thing. Even I'm sure in her her non-existent love life, if that was going to be a thing. And I, 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 I dig the, the, the aesthetic of the first two-thirds of this movie. But when you get to, you know, down to the marrow, literally, where she just starts... Because this film is about rejection, essentially. You know, she's been rejected all of her life. So when, I guess, the thing that happens that makes her snap, they go, go straight into amputation, people. Because that's what happens in this movie. If you haven't seen May, she, she doesn't have a friend. But uh, <laughs> Mom always she taught me... One. If if you uh, can't have a friend, make a friend. So make one. Yeah. She, she goes to find parts that she likes to put together to to make a friend. Because and I time... love the line: oh, uh, "So many beautiful parts, but no beautiful holes." Yeah. yeah. And as she's just looking at people walk by, I yeah. I just I love that. It's a little yeah, stuff, man. You know. Long. But yeah, if you've seen the film, yeah, I, I remember seeing the film, watching it now. Even then, you know, first time watch, you won't notice this, but the whole time she's noticing parts of people because she's obsessed with, you know, I guess, you know, she has like dolls all over her house and she she likes to sew things together. And she works in this veterinary office and so she knows what sutures are. That's my favorite awkward May story, by the way, is when she's talking about how they put two small sutures on the large dog and his guts pour all over the place. It's like yeah, oh. that's, that's something you talk about normal society with people, and then uh, especially well, when you somebody. Well, that I have to put that on him. He told her to disgust him. Yes. So she he asked for it, and it, she did. I so love, don't blame I her. How, how how like you don't like it? It's almost like with Glee, she said the stuff like like with with like, I don't even know. She had a certain demeanor, like like a happy go lucky demeanor when she was telling the story. And by the way, his guts fell out. Isn't that great? You know, and like, yeah, this is a girl who doesn't know how to talk to people, and that's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think it was more her delivery of that story that kind of creeped him out than necessarily the story itself. But she, she was lowerly excited about it, and it was kind of <laughs> it was it was kind of awkward and sad at the same time. But that's what this whole film is: it's awkward and sad until May flips her wig and start stabbing people with the freaking needles and stuff, and uh, cutting Anna Ferris, who, who you know, there was the scene. That you know, it's either necessary or unnecessary. I, I couldn't tell you the part where she uh, basically goes all shows her true lesbian colors on May. And May's kind of into it, so 
in a way, make it a settled for, for her lesbian friend, but then you wouldn't have the last, the last act of this movie, which is just bonkers. And well, I mean, she, I, she would have, except then the Anna Ferris character stepped out on her. Like she, I think she would have been happy with that. Cause she even asked her before they did it. She's like, you know, are you serious? I mean, about me. Mm-hmm. And then when she showed up at her house and saw Ambrosia there, you know, she was clearly, she was jealous. That girl, with, that, that girl with the nice gams. I love that yeah, word, gams. Gams, stems, wheels, whatever. Um, it, and, you know, that, that we've come back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, oh, and I love that she refers to her as Ms. Grable. That was fantastic. Although I don't think her legs were as nice as, as Ms. Grable's, but and, no, whatever. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, she just was kind of looking for any port in a storm i think at that point she needed someone to connect to Mm -hmm. and but it but it just kept people kept disappointing her in one way or another with jeremy sisto she thought she had it when she watched his movie and this couple is tearing each other apart you know she thought she found a way to connect with him i like his movie by the way i thought i loved his movie i loved his movie (laughs) i know i wanted i wouldn't take that literally Yeah, um, I have. I wouldn't have taken it that literally, but she doesn't understand that. You know, she has no people skills. Um, and that scene where they're sitting and he's eating tortilla chips, and she's like, "I've never had a boyfriend before," and he just kind of gives her that look. And oh, I'm over here going, "Oh, don't say that." You know, like, yeah. <laughs> don't say these things. Oh, you, you're doing it wrong. Um, it's making me crazy. Like, I want to tutor her on how to to talk to people because I, you know, I just feel like she's lost. She doesn't know how to do it. And, you know, she's lonely. She's sad. She's, she, it's not like she's evil. She just, oh man, she's so lost. And it's, that's what makes it so sad. I feel so bad for her. Even when she's like slicing people up, Mm -hmm. I still, I feel bad for her. And even in the end, she makes this friend, and even this friend can't see her. And it just, oh, it's just awful. Oh, and she stares herself in the eye, by the way. And, you know, she she has corrective lenses to fix her lazy eye. I was like, doll, baby, one of your lenses just fell out, honey. You're not going to stab herself in the eye. And she just doesn't. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you poor, poor yeah. dear, you know. Uh, yeah, I, if I had to pair this with another movie, but we didn't do Fletcher Frankenstein, I, I think it would be Miyake's uh, audition. If I pronounce that correctly, the fact that that director's uh, name, you know, but um, because these are both films about like obsession, and then they turn they turn on a dime in that third act, and he's like, "Yeah, you guys made some decisions, didn't you?" And yeah, <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. And yeah. um, yeah, because she, her, you know, because I've I've known girls like this, you just that 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 weird little girl that's that that that's hanging all the time, and I, I was I was never mean to these these people or. Nothing like that. I'm, I'm not that kind of person, but they're easy targets, if you will, for other people who may, may be mean. And I, I can see, you know, I don't, I don't see how it took her this long to snap, but it just kind of happens. And that's really my only real problem with the film is that it just kind of happens. Like she's rejected and all of a sudden I'm, I'm reading a book about amputation and now I'm ready to go make a friend, as you say. But the, the symbolism of the the doll breaking and... That's one big part of, problem I have with the film is that 
you think that the glass breaking, because she, she's constantly yelling at the doll in the case because the glass is breaking. Does this doll have some kind of supernatural hold on her that makes her do things? I don't really know. Is this glass breaking all in her head? These are all unanswered questions that I care and don't care about at the same time. I just don't know why. I just I just don't know why it's part of the movie. Is in my opinion, it, it just seems strange that it's there. I've always it's, looked at it as more symbolic than anything else. You know, the, that's how the, I always thought that the 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 case is cracking as she's cracking. You know, her but now the facade is wearing thin. If you see in the case cracking. Which maybe it is, maybe it is symbolic. Like she's seeing it like that, because I'm pretty sure when you see it in the classroom with blind kids, that the, cla- the the case is unbroken. I had to go back and look at that again. Oh, you know, I've never actually paid attention to that in the in that particular scene. I don't think until, of course, the kids go crazy for some reason because uh, May brings you know <laughs> fragile dolls to to a blind school. They expect kids not to want to play with it, but <laughs> it's a it's, uh, Right. That, was, that, was just, that was just a bad life choice for May right there, bringing that doll. Well, and you know that they feel everything because the first time she sees them, she says, why are they feeling everything? You know, so that clearly this is how they this is how they interact with their world fester. And um, okay. and yet you expect to bring this case that has nothing. I mean, if they feel it, it's just glass and wood. That's it. And it tells them nothing. So of course they're going to want to explore it more, but they go a little wild. Like they get, <laughs> they, they get kind of scary. They do kind of go feral. Don't they over this fucking glass case and, and they break everything. And I think it's really cool the way that shot, you know, the slow motion of the, the kids falling into the glass and her trying to save her only friend. And, that breaking is yeah now now I kind of get it together as we're doing this review. That breaking, the doll breaking and being destroyed, kind of like destroys her spirit in a way and breaks her spirit in a way to to make her want to go do psychotic things like jam needles in people's throats and stuff and uh cut poor Anna Ferris with the scooples, you know, the scooples. I'm gonna love to call that all the time now just because. Scoople. I think Susie was the only thing holding her together. Yeah. I, I and the, well, being sorry. her, she she had a friend in Susie as long as she had Susie. And she gave her advice, even though it was poor advice. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, she had something to hold on to. And then when that was gone, then it just, you know, all bets were off. And I love the turn that we see. In that that Angela Bettis takes as her acting choices, when or even Lucky's directing directing choices with Angela, when throughout the film previous to that moment, you know she has always been very soft spoken and quiet and kind of withdrawn. Like you can see her kind of pulled in on herself, mm-hmm. but then from that moment. Um, perhaps even Susie, a bit of Susie kind of bleeds into her. Well, she dresses up like her. So, you know, she, maybe she is then becoming outwardly more of that because the the tone of her voice changes, her demeanor changes completely when she's leaving the voice message on, on, on a Ferris's, um, answering machine. And she basically emulates what, Anna Ferris would have said, you know, she's like, yeah. you know, 
calling her doll and saying, call me Kay, you know, things that may never would have said before. Not, so her, not the way, her no. entire personality has changed. And then she, her, you know, her voice even dropped an octave, which, or two, I don't know. You can just, there was a marked change. And I just think that was kind of brilliant. Yeah. I mean, I, I dug it a lot more this time around than I, I ever had before. So there, there's that. Yay. Uh, Hey. Plus, I love the music choices in this. They're indie oh. and cool. And uh, that, I fucking, can dig it. that fucking kitten song will stay in your brain like yeah, well, forever. That's it, man, on, like, I've had that kitten song on my horror Spotify playlist for years. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, it plays and yeah. I always love his music choices. It's got a, got a Mazzy Star kind of feel to it. Makes me go dance at the 8th grade dance. You know, it's a. <laughs> <laughs> Fade into you. I'm all good though. Yeah. <laughs> he has some great choices in the woman too. Uh, he just, I love his music. Um, Ty West also usually has very good music. If you like that sort of thing, you know. <laughs> I'm not the biggest Ty West. My favorite Ty West fan is the one he denies, Cabin Fever too. You know. Oh my gosh. But Cameron, uh, anything else you like to say about the film? Or what do you give it one to ten? Oh. Uh. You know, underrated flick for anybody that's listening. Definitely seek it out. It's one of the, the you know the lesser known movies of the aughts, as you called it. Uh, but it's underrated. It's very good, and it's probably like the one thing I know Angela Bettis from. Although I know her from a few other things, but that's like you know the main takeaway from this movie is her performance is really just hammers at home. You know, you feel for me. You know she's going to do bad things and she's going to make poor life choices, but, you know, you, you can't help but feel for her. I give it an 8 out of 10. Cool. Jamie? Uh, you know, I agree with that as far as Angela Bettis goes. I mean, she was in the Carrie movie. She was... Eh, I mean, not bad, but nothing I don't think it was all that remarkable she was in the toolbox murders remake you know she was fine you know she was fine but it it it's just you know acting you know she was kind of pedestrian not bad not but just not fantastic in this film she came alive and I've actually someone told me that she was in Handmaid's Tale and I did not know that. So I, and I have not watched the show. I keep meaning to, but I don't have Hulu, so I just haven't gotten around to it. But now that, now that I've heard that, then I especially want to watch it. But, um, anyway, I'm over here trying to think of why I wouldn't give it a 10. Like what, what about it would keep me from giving it a 10? And I honestly, I can't think of anything. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything I would change. I don't, don't think there's anything I don't like. And uh, this has been a favorite of mine for, God, I can't believe how old it is. It just doesn't seem like it should be that old. Um, <laughs> but since the moment I saw it. So, yeah, I think that's where I'm going to land. Cool. Oh, I forgot to mention, I'm going to Jamie uh, Jenkins something, too. I, I, try, I try to watch that crap overboard remake because I figured hey I like Anna Ferris and I just didn't like that movie very much so I'm going to leave that at that but I <laughs> no I like like I said I liked it better this time around even especially it even went up a little bit in this conversation that we're having um, 
because I, I remember little things about it that, like, the glass case, which I have to really go back and look at that scene to see if the case is broken while she's in the blind, in the, in the room with the blind kids, because I don't think it was, but it was clearly broken as, when she put it in the closet and the glass was breaking and, you know, psychically or in her head, it could have been in her head, I'm pretty sure it was, um... But the, yeah, like like Jamie said, the music choices were really, really, um, really great in this movie. That, that really helps things along in this movie because it it's just like a slow burn to get the the last act, and that works better than audition for me. I, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of audition because I don't like the way it really, really until it gets to where it's going. I really don't like the story of you know what's happening. I, I get it. She's she's obsessed. She's been rejected. She's gonna get her revenge. This plays a lot better for me. Now, if you want a balls-out revenge film, go, go seek out the loved ones because <laughs> that that starts out crazy. Um, she doesn't exactly, you know, nail the guy's penis to a chair or anything in this movie, but she just gets down to it in the end, and I, I kind of appreciate that churn, and um, especially, you know, the symbolism of the doll that that, that broke and essentially... I guess set her free, which is I think that's the, that's what's going on here. That the only thing she latched onto was the doll that was given to her by her mother, and her mother basically told her to settle to the way the way for the way things were because not to get any better. But once she broke that tie, she just she just went went loose in the most batshit way. But she uh, was free, and then in the end, she found out that she wasn't free. So I. Uh, I dug it a lot better, and I'm I'm going I'm I'm I'm, tro I'm trolling now, and I apologize. But seven out of ten, it'll probably be a little bit better if I watch it again and analyze it a little further. It'll probably be closer to an eight, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it at that seven for right now, and uh, say that it would have been a five before this review. So there you go. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with I'm happy with you giving it that because I know you weren't nuts about it going into it. So I mean, yeah. I know you picked this one for me. Yes, yes, I did, and yeah, it's it's better than, it's not it's not a shit sandwich, okay, Jamie. It's it's just uh, <laughs> it's it's good. I, I like it, okay. It's better than some of the stuff that came out. That's why I dread Duncan's next subset of shows, where we go into the aughts, probably, because there's some there's some garbage in there. I'm talking to you, Valentine. You know, but there are <laughs> also some really good ones. That's what Duncan go crazy with his Asian choices, because you know there's 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 a plenty of them, uh, in the odds there. Uh, yeah, and we've also got the French extremes, which, um, I mean, yeah, there's some really good, really good films in the 2000s. So I'm I'm excited about that. Much better than the 90s. God, <laughs> you you did get some years, didn't you, babe? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna leave it that that right here, and uh, we'll come back to close out the show. Hey, did you guys ever notice that podcasts talk about the same movies over and over again? Yeah, as much as I love Friday the 13th, I don't need another show telling me how good it is. Exactly. Same thing goes for Halloween. It's a great movie, but come on, there's other stuff out there. There should be a show that highlights movies that everyone else seems to skip over. Like, oh, I always wanted to talk about Absentia. And I want someone to cover the room. The Skeleton Key's a good one. Then let's just do one. We can call it The ABCs of Hidden Horror. And we'll go through the alphabet talking about our favorite horror flicks that get ignored. Great idea! 
I know what my first one's going to be. Join Brian, Dave, and me, Jamie, for the ABCs of Hidden Horror on the Horrorphilia Network, where we might discuss some of your neglected favorites or introduce you to something new. Um, I don't want to go full-on chopping block segment here. I just like to, to say that Rutger Hauer passed in our time away, and he was a phenomenal actor. And we're going to do a show dedicated to him, not the next show, but the show after. We're going to cover the, the Osterman weekend and surviving the game. And I know people love Blade Runner. I'm just not one of those people. I think it's got great performances in it and by, done by great actors. I just think the story's a big old mess. But, you know, I'm not going to split hairs there. It's, it's a beautiful film. But um, that and uh, the great author, poet, uh, humanitarian Toni Morrison ha- has passed away. And I think that's important to say because... Uh, some of the most profound writing I read as a as a young man uh, came from her, and I, I I appreciate that every day. You know, every time I, I see ugliness in the world, I can look at some Toni Morrison writing, and I could I could read it up, and I could feel good a little bit better about the world. And <laughs> I don't want to go into politics. That'll go into another another time by another another show in which I say, hey, let's not talk about those anymore because that's not why I got into this, and I'm not stifling. My co-hosts, they, they you know, or, or my listeners, for that matter, our, our listeners, cause, because they they believe what they want to believe, and they they know what they know they know, and everybody's got opinions, and there's a lot of truths out there too, and I just don't want it here, people. No offense, but uh, yeah, that's that's another one, guys, and I'm glad it's here, Cameron. I'm sure yes, you got sir. some stuff that that you want to push, and I now is the forum, now is the time. Tell the folks all about yourself and what you got coming, sir. Well, I'm a filmmaker, writer, director, uh, sometimes actor. Uh, right now, I'm working on a film called Death Care uh, that I wrote and co-directing and starring in. Uh, it's a pretty big, big project that I'm working on right now. It's a, it's a movie about killer nurses. Uh, <laughs> but it's basically about uh, a gang of home healthcare nurses that take out like undesirable healthcare recipients recipients and i happen to be one of those and uh and i happen to be one in real life i'm not just a hair club member but i'm also a client but uh <laughs> uh i went through some health scares and whatnot and some uh, multiple surgeries over the last uh, couple of years heart surgery so this was my response to dealing with doctors and uh nurses and shoddy home care and insurance and everything so it's, it's partially based off of real life experiences we'll just say it's inspired by the, some of the horrible things that can happen to you if you have to deal with home health care but uh we're running an indiegogo for that right now i think it's going for the next like 30 days or 25 30 days that we're trying to raise uh, completion funds for that and um, i'm also going to be uh acting in a a short film that's uh, shooting in uh, a week from tomorrow. Uh, I'm driving out from here in Illinois to Louisville, Kentucky, to shoot a short film called Piggy that's uh, being written, directed, and starring uh, this amazing actress named Dixie Jeers. She did a movie that was a remake of a film called Crazy Fat Ethel. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah. That is an, that is that oddly a favorite of mine i love that movie <laughs> oh yeah it's a full-on remake and you would without the like the the fact that there's like cell phones and some modern conveniences you would really think that this 
film was also in the 70s. It's just got that nice kind of grindhouse feel to it. So if you can seek it out and you can find it anywhere, Crazy Fat Ethel, great film. But she uh, starred in that and co-produced it. But um, this is her pet project, that she her directorial debut. But she is actually in uh, the Death Care movie. She was in some of the footage we shot back in June. She plays one of the nurses, and uh, we just kind of hit it off. And uh, she asked me to come along and, and play, a, play a really uh, nefarious, bad kind of d- disgusting douchebag kind of guy the kind of guy that would make jeremy sisto's character and may just kind of pale in comparison uh so i want to have some bad shit happen to me too <laughs> he got a little bit this way he got off easy in that movie i'm, I'm not getting off so easy uh, <laughs> but th- those are the two big projects i got going on now i have uh, several writing projects i have uh uh, a short film that I'm editing called uh, Birthday Cake that I'm trying to get finished. I got a bunch of little irons in the fire. Anybody that can wants to find me can just find me on, on Facebook or find me through my uh, production company, Quattro Venti Scott Productions. You can just find the website or find us on Facebook or Twitter. Send me some links, brother. I'll put them in the show notes. Oh, okay, we will do. Jamie made a movie once, right, Jamie? Hmm? Secret Shopper, right, Jamie? You know? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did. I made a short a few years ago. Um, that was back in my Viscera days. I have one that has been dying to be made for years. And since I moved out of Athens and up to Michigan, I just don't know any film people anymore. And I keep telling myself that I want to get involved in the local film scene again, and I just haven't done it. But I actually know uh, several filmmakers in Michigan, so it might be possible to try to hook you up with some people. They helped me um, edit and do um, post-production and CGI on my first uh, feature film a couple years ago. The good people. Uh, that would honestly, that would be phenomenal. I used to be really heavily into the indie film scene in back in Athens, Georgia, and um, it's. I just. I, I don't have the the same. Since I'm not surrounded by those people anymore, you know, we kind of feed off each other's creativity. Yes. And I just haven't had the drive that I once had, and I know it's there. I just. You know, you. I look around. And I'm like, oh, I don't know anybody up here. And then, <laughs> then it, then it, it's it helps to be surrounded by like-minded people. It, it absolutely it does. It absolutely does. And I've done a little bit of everything. I've done, um, and that's the kind. That's that's what I loved about that that little indie community is because you get involved with that and you do end up doing everything from special effects to voiceovers to editing to um, acting directing you know you just you get your you dip your toes in everything and we all ended up being bits and pieces of everybody else's films and it just you know it was a it was a really wonderful time and i would love to get back into that just because i was at my most creative when i was doing it even if i was doing something to foster someone else's creativity it fed my own so it uh yeah and um i've got amelia unchained that really needs to be made she really 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 needs to be made so um one of these days i'll get around to it um but yeah as um um 
I do have secret shopper out there. So that's something. Um, <laughs> and uh, where do you know where I could find the crazy fat Ethel remake? Like, is it streaming anywhere? Is it uh, like, can you buy a DVD online? You can is buy there... it on DVD and on Blu-ray. Um, I don't know their, their website offhand, but if you just type in a crazy fat Ethel, I'm sure you can get them still from the director. They were self, uh, doing self distribution there for okay. a little while. That's, a, that's on, wonderful. I, I would love to, and I would love to support an, you know, indie filmmakers, you know, in the process. Yeah, so. like I just saw it last year at a place called Midwest Horror Fest, and it took uh, – it was second pl- – no, did it get second place or first place? I can't remember if it got second place or first place in the film category, but then uh, Dixie won Best Actress for it. And nice. she did good. It's, it's such a great little film because it's – it again, it you, you really think it, it's taken place in that era. You know, it just – it's – does not look like it was filmed just two years ago. It's got that look like, oh, this is still 1972 in somebody's dingy Louisville apartment. It's just, it's just really well made. But, okay. Well, yeah, as soon uh, as we get finished here, that's what I'm going to be looking up. I'm going to be, I'm going to find it and I'm going to get it because I'm excited because I love the original. <laughs> it's one of those movies that will, you know, someone go, why? But, and I would, I get that. I guess, but for me, it's right. It's right there. I don't know, right up there with like "Don't Look in the Basement," which is another movie that I love. Right. Understands why I love it. But <laughs> I actually do? have uh, a couple of friends that I've made a few movies with who did a sequel to that. As really? Well. Yeah. There's <laughs> wow. A, and it takes place at the same house, what? the same location. Yeah, they. Uh, uh, the friends of mine are named uh, Jim O'Rear and Scott Tupperman. They, they play some orderlies in, in the, like the halfway house. But the, I mean, it takes place with some of the direct descendants of the filmmakers. I think the guy who directed it must have been the original director's like son or grandson or something like that, if my memory serves right. But uh, yeah, do you know the yeah. name of that? Yeah, just don't look in the basement too. Oh, okay. Simple. Well, there you go. Yeah, just, yeah that simple. <laughs> Don't look in the basement, too. I think that might be streaming somewhere because that's where I've seen it. I've seen it streaming, but I can't remember where it was. It's been out a couple of years now. Okay. I can't believe this stuff goes right under my radar. And I, uh, that's uh, I I've been doing so much mainstream stuff since, <laughs> since I've gotten out of the indie horror scene. Like being, I just, I've been stuck in the mainstream. But, um, yeah, that's the kind of stuff I love. That's the kind of stuff I love. That's the kind of stuff I love working on. But um, yeah, so I'll give the, I'll look both as though that both of those up. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, you're welcome. What, what you got coming up, Jamie? I know you're uh, you're scratching at the door to tell us about something. You know, big, big, <laughs> yeah, big pun there, you know. Yeah, well, I already did, but the yes. yeah, August fifteenth is the marks the return of Liken It, which by the way, Cameron is um my all werewolf podcast that, that um, I've been doing for years. And then it just took a huge hiatus and I mean, huge, like m- several year hiatus, but I've just been itching to, and you know, what did it, what actually finally pushed me over the edge was I was listening to the podcast on haunted Hill, uh, Gab and Dan, and it was Gab's birthday show. And they were covering uh, dog soldiers and silver bullet and 
Oh, by the way, c- c- congratulations, Dan, and your lovely wife. You guys got married, so there you go. <laughs> Le- um, Legion family, yes. The um, they were and anyway, they were covering those two movies, and I was like, God, I really miss, really miss doing liking it, and. So, um, yeah, I'm going to be bringing that back. And so it's going to be on the full moon every month. And the first full moon coming is August 15th. So that's when that show will drop. And I'm very excited about it. So that's fun. Uh, And you can also hear me weekly or currently biweekly during the summer, but weekly most of the time on the Married with Children podcast, where we're basically just going through that show week by week. I also do the ABCs of Hidden Horror with... Brian, my husband, and Dave Z, where we talk about, um, we go through the alphabet, and each episode has a letter, and we, the three of us each bring a film that we think needs to be talked about more. It doesn't have to be obscure, but sometimes they are, but mainly it's just movies that we feel need more discussion. So uh, we're going to be recording the W episode for that coming up. And then in between those, we release what is our Attack of the Colossal Collection, which is this experiment that Brian and I are doing where we are going through our entire movie collection, just watching everything in order, and then doing a show about it because we just like talking about movies, and that's an excuse, and that's a fun thing. I heard heard the Blue Bayou playing in the background of the last episode, by the way. Oh, you did? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Under... um, that was under Venom, wasn't it? The other Venom say, yeah. yeah, that one. I, well, you know, the thing is, it. I usually try to pull music from the movie itself, and if I can't do that, then I'll try to pull something related in some way. And Venom, just you just can't get the music for that. Or I, I was unable to get the music for that. I couldn't find it anywhere. So I was trying to think of something to do. I kind of toyed around with maybe some Zydeco, but that's a little too bombastic for something like that. So I found that really beautiful version, that instrumental version of Blue Bayou, and I thought, you know what? That'll be cool. And for those in the know, it'll be a little Easter egg. So good on you for catching that. I always wonder if people catch the music. It was lovely, yes. I I caught it. (laughs) Good for you. Um... Yeah, I go out there sometimes. Like, just the, sometimes the connection is so random, it only works in my head. But, <laughs> but it's kind of fun. And uh, let's see, what else am I doing? Oh, right now you can catch me on the 1992 episode of the summer series from the podcast Under the Stairs. You know, Duncan does his every summer. He does his decade best of the decade series and i randomly drew 1992 and 1993 and oh my god 92 was not that bad i have to admit it was a pretty decent year 93 holy hell (laughs) yikes but it's still fun anyway because there's a lot of arguing on that show cool Uh, oh yeah that's about it right now yeah yeah this show um, that you're listening to right now. And the two Drake Venom commentaries have been, been releasing episodes. I hope you guys have been enjoying those. Uh, those are both on legionpodcast.com. The spinoff show on the same feed that you listen to this show on. And on the Legion feed, respectively. Burning for Springwood, the, the Freddy's Nightmares retrospective. We'll be recording episode 5 next week with um, a full crew. 
including Mr. Venom again, and I think you, Cameron, and, and you could come on that one, right? Or Oh, yeah, yeah. If you'll have me, I'll, I'm there. Yeah, I'll let you know which day for sure. Uh, doing episode 9 and 10 of the first season, which is, includes The Bride the, the bride Wore Red, I think it's called, that stars Diane Franklin. And, uh, she's always good. We'll see how good the episode is. That's uh, <laughs> always fun to discover how good the episode is. And, um... Uh, what else is there? Um, Fleas and Flicks charity auction is uh, coming in the first week. No, the second weekend. The second, he's in the first weekend, but I think it was too close to the beginning of the month. So the second weekend, the seventh and the eighth of December, it's a Facebook event. Look on Facebook, search for Fleas and Flicks charity auction. You'll see uh, the Isle of Dogs dogs from the movie and on the banner. Just click on that and. Uh, join up and uh you guys can bid directly in the comments as the items drop when it's time of course not right now uh flashback weekend was very generous uh to us i um got a poster signed for my own my own personal collection that i paid for but all the people from night of the creeps donated their own autograph to a second poster a second original poster for you guys to have it's either I forget which one that I'm putting in the auction. It's either a Belgium one or an Australian one. One of the two. It's an original poster from, from that country from when the year came out. It's signed by Tom Atkins and everybody else almost, including Fred Decker, who was uh, pretty, pretty awesome. They're all pretty awesome. And, uh, and uh, uh, I, I forgot, I didn't mention this. Just talking about 1992, Candyman. Got to be Tony Todd again, and I got a donation from Tony Todd as well, so look for that Candyman picture in the auction as well. And uh, people like Candyman, right? Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, more stuff to come, more stuff to announce to come for that. I hope uh, you guys tell your friends to come join in and uh, pick up some stuff you may not get anywhere else, really, because I'm 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 going after some other stuff with this next wave of stuff I'm going after that may uh excite you may not excite you and uh yeah i'm gonna leave it at that and um say this is the end of the show the sin beef podcast where if you've got beef we've got the grinder see you next time
It's after midnight. Are you feeling alright? Oh yeah. Turn on the light, babe. Are you someone else tonight? Never been nothing before 